Well, we're going to start a series today called Be Free. And uh, how many know that you have been set free? It's a good news today. In John chapter 8, verse 32, it says, the knowledge of the truth is what sets us free. So when you know the truth, it's what sets you free. And then it goes on in verse 36, it also says that who the Son has set free is free indeed. Now, God's will for you is to be a success in every area of your life, spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially, socially, in every aspect. God wants you to be a winner in every area because, number one, he's a winner, and he wants his children to be like him. Third John, verse 2, says, Beloved, I pray that you in every way may succeed and prosper and be in good health physically just as I know your soul prospers spiritually. Now, Here's the thing, you can't prosper outwardly if you're not prospering inwardly. All success, all victories take place on the inside before they manifest on the outside. We've got to begin to see ourselves as winners. We've got to see ourselves as victors. We've got to see ourselves as more than conquerors through Christ who strengthens us. We've got to be able to see ourselves as able to do all things through Christ who strengthens us, who really loves us and treasures us, that greater is he that's on the inside of us and he that's in this world. So we've got to see ourselves in the image that God sees us, but... To receive all the promises that God has for us, over 6,000 promises in the Word of God, it doesn't happen overnight. Even though they're yours now, most people never really tap into the fullness of what really rightfully belongs to them. And I want to talk about that for a few minutes today because it's kind of like spiritually, a lot of people believe that Jesus died for their sins. A good portion of the body of Christ really believes that Jesus died for their sins. We can almost all agree on that. But if we start talking about, well, Jesus died for, fill in the blank, anything that once was uh, uh, something that you were under the curse for, uh, so for sickness, he's given you health. For poverty, he's given you blessing. I'm talking about God has a great, big, awesome, amazing, that no eye has seen, nor ear has seen or heard the things that God has in store for those who love him. So the factor is, is why is it that many Christians only experience a handful of what God has for them until they get to heaven? It's because they're not developing spiritually like they could or should be. It would be like working out. If I worked out just my upper part of my body and I had really, really not worked out my lower part of my body, then I would start to look eventually like, what, Popeye the Sailor Man, right? You know, eventually uh, things would not look complete. And so the goal when exercising or working out is to work out your entire physical body. Your cardio, your heart, inside, outside, to work everything from the top of your head down to the soles of your feet uh, to be in full proportion. Uh, And a lot of people develop their spiritual muscles in the same way. They'll develop their spiritual muscles for faith in their salvation, which is awesome. And if that was the only thing that we received here on earth, wouldn't that be a great miracle for the rest of our life that we're just so grateful for the rest of eternity? If that was the only thing that Jesus came to give us was salvation, boy, that's enough to be grateful for the rest. And we're going to be shouting for the rest of eternity. And that should be enough, right? But God has much more in store for those who love him. And so I want to talk about why is it that more people do not tap into the promises of God on their freedom. 
There was a lady who came, there was a number of people that actually came up in first service last Sunday. We had an invitation. We had some just things that were coming up in our spirit. Uh, just words of knowledge for people that needed uh, just a sciatic nerve uh, healed in their body. And so a number of people came forward last, uh, last weekend, Sunday morning, at the 9 o'clock service. That was the service that the Lord drew it, uh, to the attention. I, I don't know why he just did, but in the first service. And so a number of people came up, and they received their miracles, one right after another. People were receiving healings. Now, not anything I can do, nothing I can do in the natural. Uh, we had chiropractors standing behind them. We had people all around them, but they were being healed one right after another. God was doing a miraculous thing. How many know that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore? I mean, come on, give him some credit. Why do some people think that he's dead and he doesn't do that anymore? Come on, he is still the same. He loves to heal his people because he loves his people. I mean, if you're a father or a mother, you know what I'm talking about. You want your children healthy, whole, and strong in every area of your life. However, after service, one lady came up to me and she asked me, she asked me a really important question. She was healed, and uh, she came up to me and she said, Pastor, she said, I've got a question for you. I'm not saying this will happen, but if, if those symptoms came back upon me again, how do I handle that or how do I prevent that from happening? And uh, one of them had texted last night and said that they were healed. Um, during the service, the majority of the pain left, and then by the time they went to sleep, it was completely gone, so it was more progressive. This one was instantly healed. She was referring to that. I'm, I'm healed. It's gone. It's uh, no more pain. But she said, how do I prevent it from coming back? If it was to try and come back. Because she said, I'm not saying it's going to, but if it was to try and come back. And I said, that's a great question. Because many, many healing evangelists, uh, I'll just say this. Many, many healing evangelists have gone out. The anointing, the faith of God that is on that individual has gone out and brought healing to many, 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 many people. And then six months later, they get the issue back. But they don't know how to resist it. And so this is what I said to her. I said, you've got to be aggressive in your faith. In other words, anything that is under the curse is what you've been redeemed from, according to the Bible. You've been redeemed from the curse of the law. You've been redeemed from anything that's under the curse. And now all things are possible to him who believes that's under the blessing. So what I always do is if a symptom tries to hit me in any way, shape, or form, I always say out loud with my mouth because I want to hear myself say it. So if there's some type of a physical symptom that tries to hit me, I will immediately say out loud, it's impossible. What? Absolutely. It's impossible. Why? Because I know I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. So are you saying you never get sick? Correct. I never get sick. I haven't been sick in a long time. But have symptoms hit me? Uh, yeah. But I pass them up. I pass up the opportunity to be sick. And how I do it is I refuse to accept that sickness. Because I know I'm redeemed from the curse of the law. So anything that's under the curse, I immediately say, it's impossible for sickness to touch me. And I will say that out loud so I can hear myself say it. Because how many know uh, Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? The word of God. So I'm going to confess what the word of God says rather than what everything else is saying about me at that moment. Because we have to know that we have to walk by faith and not by sight. And so now on the flip side... When it comes to the blessing of God, I will always say, now that's possible. Because all things are possible to him who believes. And I encourage you to practice this on a daily basis. And the more you practice resisting, are you hearing me? Any of you guys out there who like to work out, ladies, men, you like to work out in a gym, you like to go to a gym. Is there anybody out there that likes to go to the gym? Okay, we got a lot of spiritual giants, but we need to get you all in the gym this year, okay? 
We need to get you working out. Spirit, soul, and body is important to the Lord. You get one out of order, the other two areas could get out of order. So make sure you're doing all three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Take care of that holy temple that God has given you. But if you are resisting, let's say you're down on the bench press, and you're doing a bench, and you've got 200 pounds you're working with, or maybe 300 pounds if you're the size of Taylor or something like that. Uh, you're benching maybe four or 500 or whatever. Uh, but you're benching it. Let me tell you, you might start off at 200, and it's real light and easy, or maybe it's real hard, depending on where he's at at that time in his life. Uh, but if he keeps developing, what's going to happen? It's going to get easier resisting that two or 300 pounds, isn't it? Right? Y'all are tracking with me still. So the more you develop, you're gonna be e it's going to be easier to push up that pressure. In the same way, spiritually, if you are developing and getting stronger spiritually about what rightfully belongs to you and anything that's under the curse, you're saying no, and you're resisting, resisting, resisting. What does the scripture say in James chapter 4, verse 7? Submit to God, in other words, his plan. Resist, resist, resist who? The devil. And who's going to flee? He's going to flee, isn't he? So if you're not resisting and you're complacent or you're passive as a Christian and you just take it and you take the hit and you're like, oh, man, I just got sick. Man, that's the flu season. I should have known. I should have been preparing for this. I should have gotten a flu shot. You should be taking Psalm 91. All right? A thousand may fall on my side and 10,000 in my right hand, but it shall not come near who? me we've got to develop in our faith that anything that's under the curse is impossible now i know that you and i are human but we should be superhuman according to the scriptures meaning that greater is he that's in us than he that's in this world and no weapon i said no weapon formed against us will prosper and so the more we develop our spiritual muscles the easier it is to resist who the devil. And what's going to happen when we resist him? I'm telling you, if you're benching 200 pounds pressure and he's putting pressure on you, you're pushing him up, you're pushing him up, and you're pushing him up. But once you start developing and you're getting up to 300 pounds, you're benching now, guess what? Now you're pushing up that 200-pound weight like it's nothing. You know what I'm talking about. So this is where I want you to go with your faith that you've got to keep developing and keep developing. And don't be hard on yourself when you're not there where you want to be yet. But you can get there because it's not where we start in life. It's how we finish in life. And who is the author and finisher of our faith? Jesus. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And what he's begun in us, he is going to what? Complete it. And so we want to make sure we stay in the race and keep developing. And once again, how do we keep developing? We keep putting the word of God inside of us. Put it inside of us. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we want to get developed and get stronger spiritually in every aspect of life. Let me give an illustration. Since we just started Financial Peace University, when Amy and I got a revelation that God doesn't want us to have any debt in life, he's not, uh, he's not looking at it as a sin, but he doesn't want us to have debt. Why? Because, and I'll get into this in just a minute if we have time for it, but debt, the borrower, is a uh, slave to the lender, according to the Bible. So God's not in favor of his children being the tail. He's in favor of them being what? The head. He's not in favor of them being the borrower. He's in favor of them being the lender. He's wanting them not to be below, but to be what? Above. And he wants you to be blessed coming what? In and blessed going out. Out. Everything that you put your hands to, what? Will 
prosper, and succeed. God has these instructions. This is what his best will is. That's what his will is, is for you to win spiritually, emotionally, physically, and financially, and socially in every aspect of life because God is a winner himself and he wants his children to live like they're winning now. And so we've got to develop because otherwise the curse and the remnants of it will try to sabotage us from what rightfully belongs to us. So when Amy and I had learned that God, where he guides, he provides, but that doesn't mean that we get passive about it. We have to be aggressive in our faith about it. So I remember when Amy and I had got a revelation that, you know, God's the one that instructed me to go to college. And if he instructed me to go to college, then as a good father earthly father, I know I would want to pay for my own children, right? And so how much more, according to what Jesus says, will your heavenly father want to do for you? And so we got a revelation that, God, you guided me to college, so I believe that there's a way for you to pay for college, right? And so how did I develop in my faith with that so we didn't have to take out debt for college? And I'm telling you, we were people who couldn't even go out on a date and rub two quarters together and get an ice cream cone. And so we're talking about private college expenses, very high expenses. And God calls me to go to college, and it's not a cheap college. But what did we do? We took the word of God, the scriptures that God, Philippians 4.19 and some other scriptures, that God meets all of our needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so what we started doing is we started putting it inside of us. We started meditating the scriptures. But that's not the only thing we did. We found somebody else that had a testimony similar to what we were believing our outcome to look like. And so we started listening to somebody else who had gone to college and they did it by faith in God. And how they came out as the head and not the tail above and not beneath the lender and not the borrower. So we found someone who actually went to the same college as I did, who went and went debt-free by faith, who did not have a dime to pay towards registration when it was due. But how do they do it? By faith. And so we listened to his testimony over and over and over, because how does faith come? By hearing and hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we heard this testimony over and over, and we listened to it for several months it was about a five-minute part in the message that we listened to. We rewind it. It was a tape at the time. And we'd rewind it, and we'd listen to it again. And we'd listen to it again every single day, sometimes multiple times throughout the day, so that we would say immediately, as soon as we heard his testimony, we'd say, God is no respecter of persons. What he did for him, he will do for us. And I'm telling you, we ended up going to college. People probably thought we had all the money as they were bringing us down to where we were moving. And they probably thought, boy, they are just people of faith, uh, but they must have the money. They, we never told our family members if we had the money or not, but we didn't have the money. And they just probably assumed that they, we had the money. But when we get to college and I'm trying to register with no money, what do registrars say? No, thank you. Uh, but we didn't get to that point because we ended up having supernatural miracle after miracle after miracle where people would wake up in the middle of the night from a dream God saying to them, send them money. They need money for tuition. And I'm telling you, miracle after miracle, were we able to go to college and not have to pay a dime because our Heavenly Father took care of us? Now, how did we develop our faith for vehicles, cars, to be able to pay cash for cars? The same way. We found scripture. And we found uh, time to meditate the scripture, and we digested that scripture. We put it on the inside of us, and we started seeing ourselves being able to pay cash for a vehicle. Because how many know you can get things a lot cheaper if you pay cash almost always? 
And so when you fan that money and you're at a dealership and you're looking at them and you're saying, I've got this, will you take 5000 for it? They might be asking seven, I don't know. I've got 5000 in cash, will you take that? And they say, well, I don't think we could go that low. Okay, and you'll start putting the money away and walking away. What does that say? Who's going to be chasing you? The salesman, right? Because they want that cash. And uh, so anyway, the point is, is that you can go a lot further when you operate out of cash. So you save a lot more money in the long run. So for example, if you've got a $150,000 house and you're able to pay, let's say, $140,000 or $130,000 or $120,000 for it because you pay cash and you say, I can close today kind of thing on this because I have no loan. Uh, will you take this, $130,000 or $120,000, whatever it is that you feel in your heart you should? And they say, okay, we'll close on it for that amount of money. And you don't have to pay any interest to the bank, right? Now, if you have the same situation where you pay $100,000 or $150,000 uh, and you use a loan for 30 years, guess how much you actually end up paying the bank? Yeah, about three times more than what it was worth, approximately, maybe even more, depending on the interest rate. So the system is set up to keep the broke broke, isn't it? The system knows that the ones who understand how to operate out of cash, how to be the lender and not the borrower, the system knows if we can keep these guys broke, then we can keep the money. But if you all get a revelation on being the head and not the tail, above and not beneath, the lender and not the borrower, and you start meditating the scriptures, and if your heavenly father cares about the birds of the air, how much more does he care about you? And if an earthly father will give you a, a piece of bread or fish or anything instead of a serpent, how much will your heavenly father give you according to Matthew chapter 6. So God wants you to move to another level of believing, not just for your salvation, which thank God for our salvations, but whatever you need saving from. Take a look at the scripture with me in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 through 34. And what more shall I say for a time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, and David, and Samuel, and the prophets, who by faith, that is, of an enduring trust in God and his promises, Subdued kingdoms, administered justice, obtained promise, blessings, closed the mouths of lions, extinguished the power of raging fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became mighty and unbeatable in battle, putting enemy forces to light. Now that word, just, I'm going to talk about aggressive faith for just a moment, because the word aggressive faith means to keep consistently building spiritually. And so I want you to think about that when it comes to being consistent. Keep developing your faith in every area of your life. Aggressive faith. So Ephesians chapter 6, we see where we're supposed to put on the what? The full armor of God. Now, when Ephesians chapter 6 says, you know, when you've stood, then you should stand some more in verse 13 and 14, right? So in other words, don't just quit. Don't give up when you don't see the miracles or the promises of God come to fruition yet. When you stood, then just keep standing some more, right? So God wants you to pick up the sword of the Spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? The Word of God. Then take up the shield of faith and quench, just, just quench some of the fiery darts, right? No, it says all of the fiery darts. So take up the shield of faith. In other words, you keep using the word of God, you keep developing your faith, and you keep using the shield of faith to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked ones so you can get to the point where you say, my goodness, look what the Lord has done for me, that literally no weapon formed against me will prosper and or has even prospered in my life. I am the head and not the tail. God wants you to keep using your faith aggressively. 
And that doesn't mean naturally. I'm not talking about being aggressive naturally. I'm talking about using your faith aggressively. That word faith in the word the in Greek, what that means is, is it's an aggressive forward directing force. God wants you to literally run down the devil if he tries to get in your way. Remember the story about uh, David and the Philistine, Goliath? You all remember that from Sunday school, right? In 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 48, David runs at Goliath. David ran at Goliath. In other words, he was not timid. Even though he was much, much smaller than the Philistine, he understood that Philistine was an uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, he did not have a covenant with God Almighty. And so what did he do? He did not sit back and when the Philistines started to approach him, no, he ran at him. In other words, devil, if you're going to get in my way, I'm going to run you over. You know, God doesn't want you to be afraid or timid or passive as a Christian. He wants you to be aggressive in your faith because typically if you haven't, if you just haven't heard this yet, guys, the devil has been defeated. You've been delivered from the powers of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of God's dear son's love. All powers and principalities and darkness, according to Colossians, have been disarmed. You are free. Did you hear me? You are free. I said you are free, so be free. Touch your neighbor and say you're free. We've got to take these things that we've got to take the vision of what God has saying. You know, what's he saying about, you know, your finances? What's he saying about your health? What's he saying? What does God say? Because that's a final report, right? That's final authority. Facts come and go. But God's truth is reality. So take the vision that God is saying about you. Put it on the inside of you. Secondly, take a testimony, an inspirational story that you're hearing from someone else. Keep feeding your faith so that you can see the same outcome that they receive. Because God is no respecter of persons. But you've got to keep resisting the devil when the opportunity uh, comes of sickness or whatever it might be or debt or whatever it might be. You've got to resist. So when Amy and I had the papers put before us and they said, "Do you, you know, it looks like you're coming to college here and so on. Here's some paperwork you'd like to fill out for a loan and we signed off and said no did we have the money yet no but we were not going to be passive about this we thought either God comes through or people are going to laugh at us but we knew God would come through you know what I'm saying God is faithful even when we've been faithless but we have to take those moments where we have to resist the enemy resist the temptations of being passive and trust God in his word and I know it takes time to develop in this, but listen, it's not where we start, it's how we finish in life. So don't get discouraged when you're developing your faith and it's like, oh man, I've been trying to shake this flu or I've been trying to shake this uh, sickness or I've been trying to shake this debt. Just keep developing in your faith and before you know it, you're getting stronger and stronger and you're able to push or bench press more than you used to. You've got to keep doing it, though. Keep developing. Keep listening to the Word of God daily. I'm going to encourage you to keep reading the Word. Keep the Scriptures before your eyes. It doesn't matter where you're at. It's how we finish in life. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 through 9 with me. It says, Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your what? And your faith. Now, Jesus teaches us how to receive aggressively, you could say, by faith. He teaches us in Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. Stay with me. We don't have more than just a few minutes left here now. 
So Jesus answered and said to them, How faith in God, for surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you what? Receive them, and then what's going to happen? And then you will have them, right? So that word receive in the Greek means to take it. To take it. In other words, when God says, it's yours, and you say, thank you, and then you move on with your day, and then what's going to happen? And then you will have them. But we've got to take it first, receive it by faith, now, and then we will have it. So we just believe God at his word, and we say thank you, and then we move on with our day. And what's going to happen? And then we will have it. We've got to receive it, and then we will have it. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20, once again, it's reiterating, echoing, reinforcing all that God wants to say to you this morning. In Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through 22, my son, or you could say my daughter, give attention to my words, incline your ear to my sayings, do not let them depart from your eyes. Vision, that's vision, right? Don't let it depart from your eyes. God's saying, get this in your eyes. Keep it as a vision before them. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. Dodie Osteen, when she was diagnosed with terminal cancer, she was sent home with two to three weeks left to live. Guess what she did? She went home and she watched TV all day. No, she didn't do that. She read entertainment books all day. No, she didn't do that. You know what she did? She went home, she got her Bible, and she pulled out all the scriptures on health and wholeness in the Bible. With long life, God will satisfy and show her salvation. Uh, she started pulling out all these scriptures. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. 1 Peter 2, 24. Matthew 8, verse 17. All these scriptures, she started to what? She got it inside of her. She would meditate them. Then she took pictures, vision of when she was really healthy and when she was happy and enjoying life. And she plastered these pictures all over her house. And then she what? She didn't act like she was sick. She kept acting like she was healed. So when the kids would be like, oh, mom, let, me, let us move that couch. She'd say, no, you know, a sick person would need you to move the couch, but I'm healed. And she would move the couch herself, even though she didn't feel like it. So she kept meditating the scripture, kept the vision before her eyes. And that was, what, 30 or 40 years now ago? And she's still preaching the gospel strong and hard, bringing healing to her generation. Because she kept the vision before her eyes. She kept believing Lisa will be here in just a few months. And she's going to reiterate this is how their family lives. This is how we're going to live in victory. Is we've got to keep the vision before our eyes. The word of God. We've got to keep the picture of what you want to see as your desired outcome before your eyes. So you can see everything come to fruition that God has for you. When, when the temptation comes uh, to quit or to give up. And to say, well, I don't know if this is going to happen. Then that's where you've got to what? Resist Resist that pressure and use your faith instead. Because fear is the same gonna, it's going to give you the same kind of pressure that faith will be, but it will be negatively. It will pull you away from what God has for you, where faith will pull you into those promises that God has for you. Effort, let me put it this way. The word aggressive means it's an all-out effort to win. It's boldly and relentlessly assertive. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to jump up and run around in circles and with our head cut off like a chicken. We've got to know what God's word says. So when there's a bad report that comes, we don't just jump up and run around and say, I'm healed. If you don't have it in you, that's where you've got to stop and say, you know, when, let me give you an illustration. When Jesus, his friend Lazarus, was about to die, they came to him and said, Lazarus is, a, you know, sick. Jesus, did he jump up and run to Lazarus immediately? 
Immediately he didn't. What did he do? He stayed two more days where he's at. Why? Because Jesus himself said, I do nothing except for what I see my father do, and I say nothing except for what I hear my father say. So Jesus took time to just, okay, what are you saying, Father, right now? And the first thing out of his mouth, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. So Jesus already said the statement blanket, you know, he painted the picture and said, this, this isn't going to amount to death. Now, when they got there and he was already dead for four days, everybody probably thought, oh, man, it's too late. Jesus was just warming up because it wasn't, he, was, he wasn't coming to bring health and healing. He was bringing the resurrection life to Lazarus. God had something bigger and better for Lazarus. And that's where we have to, when you have those situations, you've got to know, what is my heavenly father saying? What does the word of God say? Because if you get a report, a bad report, you've got to know in your heart, what is God saying in this situation? You've got to get quiet before the Lord and you've got to say, God, what are you saying in your word? Now, hopefully you've been putting the word in you before the situations of the storms of life come. That's vital to the outcome. Because if you have it in you, then when you need it, it's going to come out of you, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the what? The mouth is going to speak. So faith is not moved by what we see or hear. God wants you to enter into the blessing. Look at what the blessing does. In Proverbs, I believe it is chapter 10, verse 22, it says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Now, if you get under the blessing, it's going to be not toilsome. It's not going to be laborsome. It's not going to be hard. Jesus said, my yoke and my burden is light and easy, easy. So make sure you stay fixed and established in your faith. In Psalm 112, verse 7 through 8, it says, evil tidings, they may come. But watch this. But their heart is established before, therefore they shall not be moved. The Amplified says, he will not fear bad news. His heart is established, steadfast, trusting, confidently relying on and believing in the Lord. His heart is upheld. He will not fear while he looks with satisfaction on his adversaries. So in other words, don't panic when the storms of life come. Stay fixed in your faith. Every name is under the name of Jesus. That means debt, anything under the curse, sickness, it's all under the name of Jesus. And we've got to make sure we know and understand how powerful that name really is by knowing what his word says. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 through 25, as we bring this up now to a closure. So let's do it. Full of faith, full of belief, confident that we are presentable inside and out. Let's keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worship together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. God's desire for you is debt freedom. Take a look at Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 12 with me. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in a season and will and to bless all the work of your hand. You shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. I know we're going quick. We're running out of time. Romans chapter 13, verse 8. Owe no one anything except to love one another. Once again, what does uh, borrowing do? It puts you into a slavery position once again. God doesn't want you to be a slave. He wants you to be free. In Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7, it says, The rich rules over the poor, and the borrower is a slave to the lender. Uh, how many know that a turkey dinner sitting across the table from somebody that you owe is, just does not taste as good when you owe them something? And uh, there's a bankrate.com. You can look this up. But there is a 57% of those polled have seen a friendship or relationship end because of loaning money. 63% have seen someone skip out on repaying a friend or a family member. 
Don't let finances be a king over your relationships. Let love be a king. Oh, no man, anything but to love one another. Once you get the vision, keep it plain before you. Dodie Osteen to this day still confesses those healing scriptures every single day. She keeps the vision before her eyes every single day. We've got to make sure that once the vision is clear, then we've got to keep walking out that plan, that new lifestyle, and not revert back to the old ways again. So in Luke chapter 14, verse 28 through 30, a plan is important. God gives you the vision, but he also gives you a plan. For which of you intending to build a tower does not sit down first and count the cost whether he has enough to finish it lest after he has laid the foundation is not able to finish all who see it begin to mock saying this man began to build and was not able to finish in proverbs chapter 21 verse 20 there is a desirable treasure and oil in the dwelling of the wise but a foolish man squanders it so in other words a foolish man doesn't plan they don't think they don't think about it. They just spend the money. They just don't think about, uh, well, God will provide. Well, yes, God does provide, but he also needs us to be good stewards over our finances. He wants us to use our money wisely. He needs us, okay, so you get a miracle in your marriage. Don't stop taking a marriage date every week. Keep implementing it. The things that you've learned, keep doing because that's what's producing good results. So once the plan comes, keep implementing the plan. Keep doing what you've learned to do differently. Keep the vision before your eyes and don't stop doing it. Now watch what Joshua says in my last and final scripture for the day. In Joshua chapter 18, verse 3, Joshua addressed the people of Israel and he said these words, How long are you going to sit around on your hands, putting off, taking possession of the land that God, the God of your ancestors, has given you? In other words, there are a lot of people out there that are just sitting back saying, well, I don't know why that person's prospering so much. And, well, it must be God's will over there. Maybe it's not God's will over here because this person's really broke and they're hurting. They're sick all the time and this and that. And this person's over here prospering. Well, maybe God just has favorites. No, God does not have favorites, even though I might be one of them. God has no favorites. <laughs> and we need to understand that we need to see ourselves, though, as God's favorite. Because God loves us. He's no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of faith. If we're not developed in our faith, you might be a winner in this area, but really losing in another area. God wants you to win in every area of life. And he says, don't be passive about this. Be aggressive in your faith about it. Develop so that way you can bench more, you can resist more, and then you can feel better about your life at the end of the day. Because anytime you get on that treadmill, you're going to feel better about yourself after you've gotten on the treadmill. But let me tell you what, you would rather probably sit back and eat bonbons and watch soap operas. Uh, that's what most human nature wants to do. They just want to take care of the flesh and baby the flesh and just, oh, I want this, I want that. But you've got to discipline your flesh. You've got to get out there and spiritually start developing that spirit man on the inside. That's what's really profitable for you. So keep developing, keep growing, and God will take you places you never dreamed possible. If you receive this, would you say amen? Yeah. Thank you for bringing great listeners. You can close your eyes for a moment as we bring this to a closure. Father, thank you so much. We love you, appreciate you. We thank you so much for your presence with us today. It's an honor to be able to just grow in your word, to develop our faith, to go out of this place better off than we first came, knowing that uh, you're with us, and if you're with us, who can be against us? It's a positive feeling, Lord, to know that you love us so much, that you were willing to send your son, Jesus Christ, to die for all of our sins. We love it, we appreciate it, and we're so grateful. For the rest of eternity, we have so much to thank you for. 
For all the things that you do behind the scenes that we're not aware of and all the things that we are aware of, we just want to say thank you from the depths of our heart for being such a good and wonderful, faithful father to us. Thank you so much for your word today. We believe it's transforming our lives and changing us, going from grace to grace and from strength to strength in Jesus' name. Just a moment longer, if you've never made the decision to accept Jesus Christ or you need to recommit your life to the Lord Jesus, with every head bowed and every eye closed all over this auditorium, if you need to make that decision to accept Christ or recommit your life to the Lord Jesus, those that are watching online today, would you slip up a hand all over this auditorium just acknowledging I need to accept Christ or I need to recommit my life to the Lord Jesus. Thank you so much. You can put that hand down. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. You can put your hands down. Anyone else? You need to raise your hand yet? You haven't done that. Okay. Excellent. Let's do this. Put a hand on your heart, please. And the rest of us, we're going to join you in a prayer. We're going to be an encouragement. Those that are watching with us, would you please join us in this prayer? The Bible says in Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Let's do this with them as they call on the name of Jesus. Would you please pray with me? Heavenly Father, forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, come into my heart. I accept you as my Lord, my Savior, and my best friend. Thank you for dying on the cross for all of my sins. I commit my life to you now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you give them a big hand clap? Let them know how much you love them, appreciate them.